uh, like i'm coming from same background as an international student and i recently started investing like last year it's been just over a year like i started investing in index funds and individual stocks mm-hmm. so what would you say are some of the must do things in the early or early age of investment like for me beginner for international students what are some things we really should do if we're looking for investments sure yeah so i'm very much into passive index investing yeah. as opposed to active stock trading it's just you know unless you're wanted that to be your full-time job or you're the stock trader and you're working on Wall Street or Bay Street you know then okay if that's going to be your livelihood and that's going to be your sole focus in your career okay you know I, I wish you luck and maybe you'll do very Hello, well everyone. Welcome um, back but to I would say for the overwhelming majority of us as you may already know my name is Parpeh Singh we have other jobs right like we have a full-time job probably we have got other obligations maybe we have kids already maybe you know there's other things we got to do um, and so we don't have that much time to spend on researching all the different if you're planning to retire early, uh, he so, yeah, has so a as a, just as a starting you. point, I He's would the say host definitely strongly consider Canada, just one passive of the best index podcasts out there in Canada related to wealth, money, and if you want to be debt free, that's for you. And it's also one of the few podcasts which I just love to listen when I commute from my work to home and come back. So I'm so much excited. I can't start this conversation. So please welcome with me, Cornel Schreiber. Hey Cornel, how are you, brother? Good, good. Thanks for the kind uh, intro. <laughs> oh, it's all, I'm just so much excited. Like I'm listening to you for over. I started listening to you like in mid of 2019. So it's okay. It's been like over almost two years now. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I checked how before I came on. I thought, oh, I better check how long the podcast has been around for, in case you ask me. And it's actually been almost seven years now. So it's been it's, it's been quite a while. Uh, but it, it's, it's been going good. I mean, it's got over uh, like well over a million downloads now and it's mm-hmm. been ranked at the top of the ranks in the business and investing section. So, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm really happy with it. It's pretty much like it's been at the top of the ranks for for many, many years now. So it's great to, yeah, to keep it going. And it seems like a lot of people are learning a lot from it. So, uh, yeah, it's a good way to give back as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you have a wonderful content out there. And the one thing I just love is like you have a long content, like more than like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, which mm-hmm. I just love to listen because I commute along those hours. So mm-hmm. it's really like best for me. Man. For sure. Awesome. Yeah, I find that there's a lot of podcasts. I mean, there's a lot of great podcasts out there. Uh, but some of them, yeah, I like the longer ones myself too, because then we can really dive deep and go into the details. Because yeah. I find with some of the shorter ones, you know, you kind of just skim the surface. And when you're done listening to it, you're kind of asking yourself, did I actually learn anything? Uh, not not really a lot of times, right? Because you're just, you're not going deep enough and it's things you probably have already heard. Um, so yeah, for, for me, I, I took a different approach where one, it's uh, specifically for Canadians. So, uh, you know, that way, yeah. some great US podcasts out there and all that. But we always, as a Canadian, I found myself always wondering, does this apply to me as a Canadian? Because we have different tax laws, like just lo- huge differences, right? In the investing world as well. Uh, and so I've just kind of went, okay, I'm just going to go all in on Canada. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and, and so it's been, it's been going good. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Like when we really look for your background, like I, I knew it, like I'm listening to you for so long time, but I also like tried to do a research and you are like one of few young people in Canada who retired early. You uh, like retired from your primary job and then you started doing which you love to do and also making money of that. Like, could you please like share your journey of childhood? Like how that happened? 
how sure. how you just decided to retire early man yeah <laughs> yeah so um it wasn't something that i aimed for right in from, right from the beginning um so yeah just to give you background so i'm i'm actually from poland originally i was born there we moved out of there back when it was still communist and so i was in grade 1 uh, so around 6 years old when we came to canada uh and so that's kind of the going way 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 back <laughs> um but yeah but then in terms of the wanting to retire early or at least be financially independent early um yeah that kind of came because i i was the jobs i had they were they were fine but i always so wanted to work for myself, wanted to, you know, not be reliant on an employer. Uh, and so I, you know, when I found out that, I mean, there's other people that have pulled this off as well, especially in the US, when I found out that it's actually possible, it just blew my mind. Like, what do you mean? You, you don't have to work until 65. That's amazing. And so I sort of went down this rabbit hole of learning everything that I possibly could about that. And then I had the podcast as well, where I could interview different, basically the sort of the best financial experts I could find mm-hmm. across Canada and in the US just to learn best practices, right? Because nobody has all the answers. Everybody's got different experiences. And so that was one of the things I started doing in the podcast is just interviewing a lot of different uh, people and learning, okay, if, 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 20 people are telling me that this is a best practice, you know, something is a best practice. Okay. I should probably (laughs) make a higher on my priority list and really do that. Right. And so, um, yeah, so that, that was basically, um, it. So yeah. Like, did you want more of a sort of a a background as to how we got there or how how did you want to, uh, me to answer? No, definitely. Like that, that's the best. And like you mentioned, like you have so many guests on your podcast and you also like share things like how to become debt free, how to build wealth. And then, you bring guests from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. like investors, real estate, business owners. And one thing I noticed is that like everyone has their own definition of financial freedom lifestyle. And you also retired early. So I, I want to ask you, like, what is the definition of financial freedom lifestyle for you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it's having enough money primarily in different investments where you don't actually have to work anymore by you know having a job or having to run your own business or anything like that and so once you have enough money where basically the investments can passively spin off cash flow for you then i would say you're you're financially independent by definition um it's it's a bit of a tricky subject because at least from my own personal journey uh, i want in the beginning i wanted to just retire early uh, and so we, we were able to do that, uh, like in my 30s, which was great. Uh, but then what I realized is that so we became financial independent, we retired early, and I only really lasted six months in like a full blown retirement. So after six months, I started feeling very unfulfilled. Uh, you know, there's like it's it's fun in the beginning because you have all this free time and you yeah. just have fun and you catch up on all the Netflix shows you were missing and all this kind of stuff. But that actually gets old after a while, and you start fe- feeling you know kind of unfulfilled and like you're wasting your potential as well right there's we get a lot of satisfaction in being good at being good at something uh, in mm-hmm. helping others right as opposed to just self-centered you know pleasure basically right and so after six months i i, I still running the podcast but that, that's not like a full-time job or anything like we do one episode a month so it's not a huge you know thing and so at that time i started looking for other ways sort of to you know to give back and just also a new challenge and something you know that actually excites me and gets me fulfilled uh and so i ended up actually taking over the canadian financial summit 
which is basically Canada's largest um, personal finance investing conference, and it's all online. And so it's kind of like the podcast where I get to interview, you know, other experts, that kind of um, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's all free as well for people to attend it. Um, and that's at CanadianFinancialSummit.com. So um, yeah, so to, to kind of get back to your question, it's um, that, that that is my definition of financial independence. But I sort of warn people that you don't just want to blindly go towards retirement because you never want to work again because maybe mm-hmm. you don't like your job because after you leave your job and you don't have to work there anymore, you're probably, I'm guessing you're going to be like me where you're going to yearn for something else and you're going to want to take out projects. So it doesn't mean like you never work again. It's just now you're working on things you actually want to work on and that make you happy and you're your own boss and it's fulfilling. So it's, it's, it's a shift, I would say. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So like, so if I'm getting it right, like correct me if I'm wrong, so retirement, getting retirement from your job for someone like, if you really, really want to retire, like retire from that job, but start working on things like you really love to do. And right. if it's like getting money to you, like then it's even more better. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and even at least for my own story, what we did or what I did is while I was doing my full-time job, I basically had a side business that I started. Um, and so I use that to sort of explore what do I enjoy doing? What don't I enjoy doing? Making some money off it so I could actually retire early, you know, using some of that extra income as well. Right. And so, yeah, definitely you can, it's one of the best practices I've heard just by interviewing so many experts is that ideally you want to figure out what you want to do before you want to figure out what you want to do when you achieve financial independence before you actually achieve it. Because if you just all of a sudden go, you quit your job and then you wake up the next day, you don't have to go to work anymore. Yeah. You're going to have fun for like six months, like I did or whatever, but then eventually you might actually start feeling empty. And if you have nothing else to go towards, I mean, like you could actually get depressed or, or not actually, you know, you, you actually won't be happy, which sounds crazy. Cause you're like, what do you mean? I don't have to work anymore. Yeah. Isn't like happiness guaranteed at that point. And it's, and it's actually, not you actually just have the time now to find what you really like to do and so yeah a lot of a lot of guests do rec- that i've had do recommend that you actually try to sort of explore what you like to do and so that way when you leave your job yeah you're doing all those fun things but you've already got something else like a passion project that you're happy you know that you're you'd basically do for fun yeah. and it's pretty easy if you like it to then kind of turn it around and actually make some money off it if you want uh, which helps things from a financial stability perspective as well like if the market's tank you're like oh okay i'll just i can take a little bit from my maybe work a little extra harder in my business so that I don't have to sell my investments when the market's at the bottom, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, so that can be helpful in that regard as well. Totally, totally. Now I understand it. And gonna like now, let's start like our investment conversation. Like because this episode, I really wanna target the beginners, especially like students in Canada and even mm-hmm. international students. Uh, like I'm coming from same background as an international student, and I recently started investing. Like last year, it's been just over a year, like I started investing in index funds and individual stocks. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are some of the must do things in the early or early age of investment? Like for me, beginner for international students, what are some things we really should do if we're looking for investments? Sure. Yeah. So I'm very much into passive index investing yeah. as opposed to active stock trading. It's just, you know, unless you're 
wanted that to be your full-time job where you're the stock trader and you're working on Wall Street or Bay Street, you know, then, okay, if that's going to be your livelihood and that's going to be your sole focus in your career, okay, you know, I, I wish you luck and maybe you'll do very well. Um, but I would say for the overwhelming majority of us, that's investing, we, we have other jobs, right? Like we have our full-time job, probably okay. we've got other obligations. Maybe we have kids already. Maybe, you know, there's other things we got to do. Um, and so we don't have that much time to spend on researching all the different investments and different stocks and that kind of a thing. Uh, and so, yeah, so as a, as a starting point, I would say definitely strongly consider just passive index investing. So you're not going to be going for those home runs where, you know, you're trying to find the next Amazon before it becomes, you know, Amazon, right? Yeah, so you're yeah, just, yeah. just let that go and just say, look, I'm just going to invest in the index, just buy the whole, you know, buy the representation of the market as a whole and just, you know, hold long-term, you know, and, and just do it that way instead of trying to kind of go for these home runs, like, oh, I'm going to put, all my savings in the crypto or, you know, a while back it was before crypto, it was, Oh, I'm going to put into weed stocks because marijuana is getting legalized in Canada. So let's go, you know, and people are all doing all this speculating because they're trying to get rich quick. And some people, you know, do okay with that, but the vast majority do not. Right. And, and you only hear about like the success stories. You don't hear it. No, no one's there bragging because they lost $10,000 because, you know, they were trying to get in and then everything fell down. Right. So, so just be really careful with that. Um, one resource that I wanted to share with you uh, or, or with your audience that I think would be helpful is, you know, if you're going to be do DIY investing in index funds, which is what I, what I personally do and what I recommend, uh, for the overwhelming majority of people, um, there's different kinds of it. So there's on the one end, we've got robo advisors, which yeah, are going to yeah. pay, it won't be as tax efficient. You, you'll, be, you'll be paying higher fees, but they hold your hand a bit. They make things very automated. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to get into. You don't really have to know too much. Then we get into sort of the little bit more advanced, which is it's called asset allocation ETFs, where you're just buying one ETF. And that's a and that ETF holds other ETFs that represents the whole you know, the markets across the world. And so that's a little bit more advanced, but not, not by much. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's you know another way you can go. And then you're going to pay lower fees and you benefit that way. And then sort of the furthest side, uh, I would say is buying individual ETFs, which is what I do. And when you do that, it is more complex. You have to do something called rebalancing. You have to figure out which ETFs you want to buy. It's, it's a little bit more work, but you get the highest tax efficiency and you get the lowest possible costs. And so there's sort of the spectrum where the more hands-off you want to be, the more you're going to be paying in fees and you're going to miss yeah. out on some tax efficiency. And then when I say like time commitment, I'm not talking about, you know, eight hours a day to manage your portfolio. It's, it's actually very, very simple. It's a very small amount of time, but not everyone wants to kind of go to that advanced level right away. Some people are a bit intimidated. Maybe they want to ease into it. Um, so I would say one of the first answer your question, figure out kind of where you want to start. Do you want to just do with a robot advisor? Do you want to do an asset allocation ETF or do you want to do individual ETFs right away? Like I did individual ETFs right away because robo-advisors didn't exist when I first, or at least mm -hmm. you know, they weren't like readily available when I first started. Asset allocation ETFs in Canada didn't exist when I first started. So me, I didn't really have that much of a choice but because I invested such a long time ago. But but now Canadians have really, really good options. Um, so, so the resource I'll share with your readers, if you go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash investing style, that is um, a video. So I, I run the Canadian Financial Summit, as I already mentioned. And my talk, one of my talks last year was on exactly this subject, which type is right for you? What are the pros and cons of each? What can you expect to pay in fees? What's the time commitment for each one? And so it was just a good 
educational resource so you can figure out, okay, which one is a good fit for you. And eventually you want to get to that farthest level where you're buying individual ETFs, I would say, because then, you know, you want, when your portfolio gets big, those little tax efficiency, those little cost savings, they really add up. But in the beginning, if you're just getting started, maybe your portfolio is really small. Like if you're you know, student or you've just haven't been investing before, then yeah, maybe you start off with an asset allocation ETF you know, mm-hmm. keep things simple, uh, just to not get overwhelmed by all, you know, everything that there is to know, and then you kind of move your way. Um, yeah. So it's buildwithcanada.ca slash investing style. And, and it's all, it's a free video. Like you don't have to pay for it or anything. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and what you would say, like, so it's very good strategy to step into the ETF, but what, what about those like blue chip companies? Those are like giving dividends, but are not growing that much. You think like it's also good, good way to step into those or like, no, it's good to just step into the ETF and take lowest, be more conservative. Yeah. So, so I don't do, so yeah, yeah, that's a good question. A lot of Canadians sort of have, there's this allure to dividend investing that, oh, I invest in these big blue chip companies mm-hmm. and they just issue dividends. And so that, has this perception of being nice and stable and all that. Um, but, and there's been a lot of really good research done on this about you know, sort of being a ETF index investor, just on a broad level, just buying like the entire market or a representation of the entire market versus being a different investor. And basically the, the conclusion without going into, cause this is, this, that could be an episode all on its own. It's just talking about, you know, that, but the conclusion is really, you don't really care so much or the, you know, sort of the best practice and what other research has shown is that you shouldn't so much care about the dividends. What you really care is your total return. So your total right. return is your capital gain. So how much it actually went up in value mm-hmm. plus your dividends, right? So those two things added together equals your total return. So that should be your focus, right? Because you might find some company that, oh, it's giving you a great dividend. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But so a lot of the companies that issue high dividends, they're these sort of slower growth companies, right? Yep. They're established, right? And so they're not going to be growing as much as some of these other companies that are that are smaller, right? And so, yeah, you may get a higher dividend, but but what would you like? Do you want a five, like let's say, do you want a 4% dividend or like, and, and that's like almost your entire return? Or do you want a much higher return where, yeah, you get, you get less dividends, but the growth is a lot more, right? Yeah. And so, so definitely my approach, and, and I've looked into this a lot because it's a very important part of the strategy is to just go for the broad market index investing. Um, and then if you need money, then you can sell off a portion of your investments, right? Uh, like in your retirement and you can use that. So it's almost like you're creating your own dividends by just selling off a portion uh, you know, of that. And it's, if it's always growing, right, then... I mean, it's, the market's going to fluctuate, but you're able to take money out of it. Um, you know, and especially if you do it properly, you can do it so that you're not taking it out when the market's at the bottom. And so it's kind of like you get to have your own dividends, right? Without actually digging into your principal if you don't want. Um, yeah. So sort of the long, the short answer is I, I personally, I don't focus on dividends. I like more yes. total return. I mm-hmm. like the more broad market. It's also a lot more diversified. And that way you're also including companies that are, that have higher growth as opposed to just focusing on smaller companies. I'm I mean, just, I'm just focusing on dividends. I'm just curious now, like, do you just invest in like North American ETFs or like all global ETFs? Uh, sorry, say again. Uh, are you like investing in like just North America, like US market, Canadian market, or are you also like looking for international market as well, like in, in the ETFs? Definitely global, 100%. Yeah, I definitely would not recommend having 
all your money in Canada or just all your money in US and Canada. Yeah, Definitely I, mean. I do. Yeah. So, so typically the four, the four, when we come, it comes to equities, so we're not including bonds for a sec, basically. Yeah. So I have one ETF that I hold for Canada, one that I hold for US, mm-hmm. one that I hold for emerging markets and one for developed markets international. And so that consists of basically con- uh, companies from all around the world. It, when you buy those, so I buy for the same, basically four ETFs, those consist of thousand, several thousand companies yeah. Yeah. across the entire world. And so, I mean, it's pretty much as diversified as you can. I mean, you don't need any more diversification than that because you're, you know, it's global, all different kinds of companies, all kinds of different sectors. And that's a lot more stable um, versus like dividend investing where, especially if you're doing that in Canada, because some people are very passionate about dividend investing specifically, you know, in Canada, if you're a Canadian investor and okay, you could do that. But the problem is then you're also getting, not only are you concentrated on a geographic level where you're, you know, you're maybe holding a lot more Canadian equities than you should, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also concentrated on an industry level, right? So you're going to see like a lot of financial companies, they, you know, they may be paying good dividends. Okay, awesome. But you don't want an, an, an over, you don't want your portfolio overrepresented by financial companies because now you're not mm-hmm. diversified properly or not, or as you should be by industry, right? Because you also want to be diversified by industry and geog- and on a geographic level. Um, yeah, so hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like uh, I now because I just started recently, I know one thing like you don't develop diversified portfolio like in a short period. Mm-hmm. Like you buy one company, you buy one ATF, then you go from there. Like I j- like you said, like I'm, like I'm in Canada. I just step into like Canadian banks first. I bought ETF as well, but now, like after some time, I will go to energy. Uh, so for a beginner, like you think like this should they should always like go go like in a step by step in industry field, mm-hmm. or like if you have thousand, just uh, diversify that thousand dollars. You think. Yeah, so so with ETFs, it's very easy to be Diversity. heavily diversified immediately, right? So for example, uh, XIC, which is one of the um, it's yes. a Canadian ETF that I own that one. So I mean, that one is basically a representation of the Canadian index, right? Of of, of the equities in the Canadian index. So that that right there is going to automatically diverse you, diversify you in different companies in different sectors all over Canada. So you definitely don't need to go just buy you know individual stocks of one individual stocks of another and then eventually you're you become diversified i mean you you can do it that way but i would say it's not it's not the most efficient way and it's a bit risky because what if okay you decide i'm going to do financials first and then financials are having you know really bad period you know in time right and and whereas maybe tech is doing really really well right and so i wouldn't recommend like temporarily being undiversified especially when there are great tools like ETFs where basically you can buy one and you're diversified instantly. Like another one that I buy is XEF, which is the international developed. And that one has thousands of companies within it, you know, across Europe and Japan, you know, all of that. So right away, you're just buying one ETF, which is for anybody that hasn't done it, it's just like buying one stock, right? Very easy to do. And right away, you've, you've get that instant diversification. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Uh, I completely got it. Now I have another question now. Like, and it's being very common, you might also see, like when you open any YouTube video or like there might be any YouTube ad on it, like uh, take this coach, take this course, like you would be rich in 30 days, 60 days, take this drop shipping, or like, uh, I'm gonna teach you how to do day trading. Like, 
I'm going to ask a simple question for my listeners. You think like becoming a rich quick, like in three months, six months or in less than a year is stable for mass population. Like I know like people have done it, but like for majority of populations, you think like it's a stable uh, or is, you think like, no, it's like more risky. Oh, yeah, definitely more, more risky. Uh, kind of like what I said earlier, you only hear about the success stories, right? Yeah. And you, you only hear the good. It's kind of like going on social media, right? You're going to see all the positives. Someone yeah, went on yeah. vacation. They bought something. It's always good, 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 right? No one shows pictures of them and their wife or girlfriend getting in a, you know, saying, oh, we're, we're having marriage problems or, or like, no one's going to say things like that, right? It's always yeah. positive, positive, positive. Pictures, well, the, yeah. <laughs> so the same thing with, uh, you know, with these sort of business opportunities and, and getting rich quick. I don't, you know, when I hear sort of that, I basically run the other way um, because just from my own experience, I mean, a very, very, very small percentage of people will get lucky and they'll, you know, and they'll do, do good on something, but you don't hear about all the losses and all the people that lost. And so typically, you know, there isn't really sort of a get rich quick thing that I would say works consistently for people. And like I said, anybody that pitches me that I pretty much run the other way. I find one, one way that you can tell if, if someone's trying to teach you something like a course or whatever, one kind of good test is if they are claiming that you're going to get rich in like, you know, a few months or whatever, th then that's pr probably a fraud. <laughs> I would say um, the people that the people who I actually respect and that who I listen to when it comes to them teaching things are people that will flat out say right from the beginning, like, look, this could take you like a long time. Like if it's starting a business, Ooh. it could be, it will be, just assume it's going to be several years before it becomes, you actually start making some, some money that actually becomes meaningful. Um, you know, so, so we're talking about like years, right? Not, not months or not, not one year. Um, so I would sort of change your mindset about that. And same with investing, right? Like that's such a common trap. You go online, you see, Oh, I'm going to do crypto's hot now. Cause Elon yeah, yeah, bought yeah. some, let's go all in on crypto GameStops, you know, the whole GameStop fiasco, right? Oh, look how rich quickly people are getting rich. Let's go in on that. I mean, it's, I, I definitely do not recommend sort of going down that path, right? Um, for me, I mean, what's worked well for me is just done index investing. Um, I've done some real estate investing that has worked as well. Mm -hmm. And then really uh, having your own business uh, works really well also um, in terms of getting good. But all of those things take time. None of them is going to be like an overnight uh, thing. So I would definitely change your expectations when it comes but to it, things like that. But yeah. you, know, you just talked about crypto. Like I, I did invest in crypto, but I have friends who have invested, but not like that much, just to like 5% of their portfolio, 2% of portfolio. You think like it's a good idea? Like if you already diversify your portfolio internationally, you think like it's a, it's a good idea to have a little bit portion of cryptocurrency because it's like a very hot in young audience nowadays. Yeah. So I personally do not hold any crypto. Uh, when my a good friend of mine who bought it really, really, really early told me about it, I, I wish I listened to him more. And I did it. <laughs> now, now, like you know, if I, if, you know, going back, but obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So, um, no. So I personally don't don't hold any any crypto. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. So what I, the reason I don't invest in it now, and, and I mean I can't say this is like you know true for everyone, but me personally, why I do not invest in it myself is that one usually when things are getting so hot and are talked about all the time, like you see it on the news, you see, you know, just, just, it's constantly, you just hear noise about it all the time. People that normally that, you know, aren't 
haven't been investing much at all or ever. And all of a sudden they're talking about it and how you should get it. To me, those are, those are warning signs that, okay, be careful here uh, because you're definitely not getting in early if you Mm -hmm. see it on the news or if you see like a friend who's not even in that field at all, all of a sudden talking about it. Right. So that's one um, reason why I'm like, okay, I'm clearly not early anymore. If I get it now, I'm definitely not early. So I'm okay okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll miss out, but there's a good, you know, but in the past, like we had the same thing with the marijuana stocks in Canada, right? Oh, it's going to get legalized in Canada. Everyone jumps in, right? Everyone's going all in, right? And then you saw massive, massive drops after, right? And so again, that was another example, right? Where everyone's talking about it. It seems great. You're here on the news. Oh, of course it's going to do great. And then you see the massive declines after, right? So, um, so I'm just really, really careful. And then the other thing that I, the reason I don't personally invest in it um, is it's not really a productive asset. Like when you invest in, you know, in equities using ETFs, you're actually buying a portion of companies, companies that actually have some, you know, tan- very tangible value. Yes. They are actually money-making machines, essentially, right? They're, they exist, they employ people, they have intellectual capital. I mean, they're all these different things, right? They're actually, a mach- it's a, like a company is like a machine that basically generates money. And by you being part of that, by owning shares in that, or, you know, an ETF that owns that, you get a slice of that. That makes sense to me, right? That, that, that's what I, and that's what I do, right? Um, crypto isn't like that, right? It's just, here is this thing that was created, right? Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. we can, and a lot of people believe that it's worth something. Awesome, right? That, okay, great. So hopefully you're right if you buy it and I hope you do well and awesome if you do, you know, like my, my best wishes sincerely, right? Um, but but it's, but I don't like that. That's what it is, right? I, I, I prefer companies where it's like, well, you know, I can go to Apple and I see they have a headquarters and I see that they're generating money and I see products that they're releasing, right? Like they, they own things, right? They own patents, they own all that, right? They're, they're a revenue profit generating machine. Um, you can't say the same for crypto, right? And mm-hmm. so that's why I approach it very cautiously. And so like those two reasons is why I'm personally not, not into it. But I know it's like, you know, all the rage and hey, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'll be missing yeah. out, but that's okay. Cause like based on, on the information that I that's have right now, that's the best decision that I can make for, for myself, you know? what I mean? Um, But yeah, if you're, you know, if you want to have a little skin in the game, okay. If if that's what, you know, uh, but I wouldn't do anything crazy like, oh, instead of doing ETFs, I'm going to go all in on crypto because I really believe in it. I mean, that's, I would say risky to the extreme, right? Because you're at that point, you're not diversified at all. Right. So anyways, that's my take on it. (laughs) Definitely. I I totally see your perspective and I completely understand it. And now like, like when you start into investing, like see, and for a beginner, and because when I started, when I started searching for reading books, uh, watching YouTube channels, there are a couple of things which I found is like very common. You find like when you start looking for resources and these are like two sayings, I would say, like one is like start investing in yourself. This is like very popular belief I found in like every, every book, every self-growth book. And the other is like make sacrifices early so you don't have to make sacrifices later in your life. And now I really want to talk about these two things. Like let's start with the first one. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about like both as a beginner perspective and as your perspective. So invest in yourself. What would you say? What are the, some of the best investments you can make in your early, early investment period? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... If you're looking for sort of the highest ROI, mm-hmm. I would say it's hard if you have a side business that actually ends up doing fine. 
um, I would say that's where you can pretty much get the highest ROI. Um, you know, and, and I'm excluding, you know, those things like, oh, I got on Bitcoin really early. And so I was able, you know, or, oh, I somehow knew Amazon was going to get big and I bought it when they were just starting. You know, so, so yeah, there's all these like kind of extreme cases that happen to a very small amount of people. But I would say for just everyday people like you and me, uh, I would say, yeah, in terms of, you know, where can you get sort of the highest return? I would say your own business would be definitely be one because there's no limit technically how much you can earn there. And it's fully within your control. Um, so I, I would say that's definitely a good, um, that, that, that's definitely a good one there. Um, yeah. And then other good investments, like obviously I, I'm, I'm very all in on ETFs, which is broad market index investing there. You're not going to get any sort of, you know, crazy home run, you know, thousand plus percent returns, right? Like if you look at, okay, what can I expect if I go in on equities, the number I use for my, in my own financial models is 8%. Um, and so, okay, if I can get 8% a year on average, long-term, like that's kind yes. of my, I would say my expectation. Um, and so again, it's not, it's not sexy, like the, you know, thousand percent or, or whatever. Um, so I think those are good investments. Um, and then, yeah, then, you know, I, Investing in yourself and in, in learning as well um, is is important for sure. Especially now, though, a lot of that education you can get for free. Um, just we have access to so much information, uh, and so just, so just be careful as well. I would say because a lot of times if someone's trying to sell you some really expensive course and they're claiming all these things, you know that that's that's the one of their lines they're probably going to use is oh well you should invest in yourself and, and yes, but it's not like you know, oh, if I buy this course, I'm now going to be wealthy because it doesn't work that way. The reality is that it all takes a lot of work, like especially if you're doing your own business, for example, or if you want to be, you know, at the top of your profession, keep getting promoted. All of that takes a lot of time and work, like not, nothing is free. Um, so just, you know, I would say, yeah, investing in yourself is good, but don't fool yourself thinking, oh, if I buy this thousand dollar course, that's going to guarantee me success. And I'm only going to have to work on that a few hours a week. That, that's not how it works. You're going to have to pump an incredible amount of time into that endeavor, endeavor. And, you know, eventually you're going to probably see it yield some good results. Definitely. Definitely. And I have seen like, when I was starting out, like in researching, I have seen like many courses like that, like give me your email ID and you buy this, like e uh, like a ebook or something like so many courses. And in, in my long run, like in, in just one year, what I found, like most of the information is just online. You yeah, can talk is. with people. You can, if you're look, looking for like giving extra hour to research, you actually like can't find that information. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we live in an incredible age, right? I mean, it used yeah. to be that, okay, if you want this sort of extra level, you'd have to go to university. You'd have to, you know, get all these like it was, it was so much harder right now you could learn so much online it's 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 unbelievable um especially if in the entrepreneurial world and just looking at okay here's a business that i like you know here's here's you know you, you study kind of what they're doing what's working for them right all of like a lot of the stuff you can get for free uh and i think a lot of people get caught up in this thing where they they just keep buying this course after course after course and i i, I was yeah, guilty yeah. of this too when i was younger where i would just I would just just learn and learn and learn and learn, and it's great and learning's good and you should always keep learning. But you, it, it's not a substitution for actually doing the work, <laughs> and so you actually still have to actually go then and actually apply that. Like if you're just learning a hundred things and you're applying one of them, that's that's not a really good you know use of your time, right? If if, if there's a yeah. hundred things you haven't tried yet, okay, maybe 
start applying some of these before you buy the next course. Uh, you know, and but but I think the main the big thing to remember is that you know a lot of it is still a lot of work, and you're not gonna get these results overnight. Uh, but everybody wants things quickly overnight, and everybody wants to get rich quick and all that. Uh, but th- but that's just not realistic, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a fun thing to hear. But like mark my words, you know, <laughs> it, 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 once you after you get older and you start experiencing these things, you start noticing patterns where it's like, oh uh, yeah, they were right. That actually does take a lot of work, uh, you know, to pull these things off. So, so yeah, just just be careful. But I mean, so much information you can get for free, like you said. Now it's it's unbelievable. Like you know, between the YouTube videos and the blog posts, and I mean, it's it's just it's just fantastic. Like I'm I have a marketing background and. I mean, I can learn so much just by studying how other market companies are doing their marketing. And that doesn't cost me anything to do. I sign up to their email newsletter. I study, I check out their site. I see how they're doing things, right? That's a huge education. And it's like current real life education, right? Uh, as opposed to like some theory yeah. in some book somewhere. And then you're like, okay, how does this apply to, to me, right? So um, anyways, that's that's my take. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And like I like I mentioned, like I also want to hear about yourself as well. Like, what do you think? Like, what type of personal investments you make in last decade, like in last ten years, which like get you get yourself like where you are now? Um, yeah, I mean, so investments in the last decade would have been, I had the real estate rental, which can work well if you buy it right and if you manage it well and you get good tenants real estate isn't always a hundred percent win so that's one thing to be careful of because when you start reading those real estate books and you take the courses it makes it sound like you know oh you can make money with real estate anywhere but that's not really true because the rental rate that happens in, an, in a certain local area and yeah. how much houses sell for in that area it's a very it, you know those two can be totally out of whack where it's almost impossible to get to be able to buy a property, rent it out, and still have it pay for everything because you paid so much for the property to begin with, right? And so that was a mistake that I made. Where I read all the like so many books, everything I could on the subject, and then in my actual local area, I was like, oh my goodness, this is almost impossible to find a house using this using these systems just because the market's out of whack in terms of what rents are versus what houses sell for. And and so you do have, so you have to be careful and you have to actually crunch the numbers as opposed to like, oh, real estate is always great. Just go with real estate. It's like, no, yeah, you actually have to do the math. <laughs> like the math doesn't lie, right? Um so that's a big one. And then yeah, index investing as you as we already talked about. Obviously I that, that that's where I hold now the overwhelming majority of our net worth is basically in index ETFs. Um so that's the other big one. And then yeah other investments is yeah like just just the business invest, you know, investing in it. Uh, fortunately now, like if you have an online business, it doesn't take a lot of actual money to invest mm-hmm. in your business. A lot of it is just time, uh, and, and learning how to do it and, and, you know, producing the content, things like that. Um, so I know those have been pretty much my best investments is like, you know, some on your own entrepreneurial endeavors, uh, real estate has worked out well, although that's like, you know, it can be difficult and isn't for everyone. And I don't do real estate investing at all anymore just because index investing is so much easier and I love how passive it is. So, uh, and then obviously, yeah, index investing, which is like what I'm known for because that's all, all that I do pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. Like I have, the, I have the friend like coming on the show, like he was a, like a real estate, uh, real estate agent. And he mentioned like, especially like in the area of GTA, like it's very hard to get positive cash flow. Yeah. The majority of your money is going to be like appreciation. Not like the getting grants from your tenants, like yeah. Because yeah, when, when you read when you read those books or or take those courses, right? You 
they're like, oh yeah, you're going to get X positive cash flow every month, all that. And then you put that in a spreadsheet and mm-hmm. then you analyze the properties in your own area. And you're like, how the heck do I do this? I, I would have to buy this house for like a hundred thousand under what they're asking to make the numbers work. This is, this is like, like yeah. you can't, I mean, good luck doing that. Right. Especially now when people are overbidden, you know, are, are yeah, going so into bidding, bidding wars and stuff. Right. So, so good luck. But then um, on the flip side, I have talked, like, for example, I had one of the guests I had on my show, he lives in some smaller town in the U S and there the numbers actually do work. So the rents just are pretty high and Mm. the real estate prices are actually pretty low. And so in his case, like he, he knows in his actual local market, it's a lot easier to make the numbers work. Like you can cash just people that own, you know, many different properties because for whatever reason is just a lot more expensive to rent and it's a lot cheaper to buy. Maybe a lot of people can buy, you know, cause they're just, they just don't have the money or whatever the case is. And so they're forced to rent. And so people that do have money are able to buy multiple properties. So it really, really depends on the local area. And like you said with GTA, yeah, like good luck, good luck buying a single family home and getting it to cash flow. Uh, like like in Brampton, right? I mean, I, oh. I wish you luck. Um, like I tried the same thing in Kitchener Waterloo, and it was it was nuts. It was like okay, and I and I talked to other real estate investors, like hey, I'm looking to buy a single family home, rent it out, that kind of thing, and they're like, <laughs> like that that's all, all the people that were actually doing it aren't doing that aren't buying are not buying those kinds of properties because it's nearly impossible to get them to cash flow. So what they would do is they would do like rent to own the, they, they would somewhat structure rent to own deals, which are obviously a lot more now complicated. Others would do like student housing, which was working for them. Yeah. But then the problem with that, and I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here was that with student housing, okay, awesome. If you can get it to work, but that's a lot more active now because you're going to have a lot higher turnover and you're no longer like getting your feet wet with a small inexpensive house, right? If you're going into student rentals, every people want to get into that, right? So the prop, the land value in those areas are a lot more. So you're not getting in with a couple hundred thousand dollars. You're basically like, you know, you're doing like a million plus pretty much. Right. So it's like, okay, you want to buy your first rental property and your first rental property is going to be a million dollars plus me personally, when I ran into that, I was like, that's, I don't feel comfortable. Right. Like that's, that's a pretty, like getting your feet wet with a million dollars. I I'm a little too risk averse for that. So I'm just like, I'm out. I'm not, you guys have fun. I hope you make money, but I'm like, you know what I mean? I just want to try things small before I try to make them bigger. Uh, I don't want to just bet everything on this and hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, you're pretty much bankrupt. Right. So um, anyways, big tangent, but yeah, good to, good to mention to people. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you mentioned like student properties, like especially like you can't find like cheap, like kind of cheap homes in Brampton. Like there's so much flow coming in. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Kona, like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to now, because I'm curious about it, I'm going to talk about another perspective, another saying, like make sacrifices now so you don't have to make sacrifices later. Again, like let's come on the beginner side. What you would say to me or the listeners, what type of sacrifices we are talking about? Because I I don't know, like sacrifices of time, uh, like because you already experienced the journey. Mm -hmm. What are the uh, sacrifices we're talking about here? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is sort of coming to the realization that just the accumulation of more sort of physical consumer goods isn't going to make you as happy as you think it's going to. Like Mm -hmm. it will make you happy initially, but after a while, after a short period of time, you're just going to get used to it. And so it's actually not going to generate the amount of happiness that you initially maybe thought that it would. And so 
when my wife and I were on our early retirement journey, we basically, our goal was to save 50% of our income. So basically we did, okay, my whole salary is going to go towards paying our day-to-day expenses. And my wife's salary is going to go towards uh, like actually like saving, investing, that kind of a thing. Right. So, or, or maybe it was, I think it might have been vice versa, but regardless, like one, you know, one of the people in the relationship was to cover all the costs and the other one was okay, all that money is now being saved or, you know, invested, that kind of a thing. Right. And so that's a sacrifice that worked out really well for us. Cause in our case, we didn't have some like big win that let us retire. Like we didn't have some single big win that let us retire at, you know, or be financially independent at 32. That didn't happen. It was just a bunch of little things. Like big thing was, okay, right after university, we started living together right away, my wife and I, and, and this is like before we even were married. And so we, right away, we were dual income. And obviously you save a lot of money by living dual income versus like single, right? So that was a big thing. And then saving 50% of our, of our, um, of our household income, you know, so it was the other thing, right? So, so that really helped. Not buying too big of a house was another huge huge thing, right? So yeah, we, we sacrificed, I guess you could say, by not getting the most expensive house we could afford, but we got a, you know, we got a fine house. It was, it was nice, uh, but because it wasn't too expensive, we were able to save a lot more every month and get to that 50% savings target. Yeah. Same with cars, right? That's the other really big thing that holds people back. Like right now, you know, we drive a $15,000 Dodge Caravan that I bought used off of Kijiji, right? We only have one car because my wife is a full-time stay-at-home mom. I'm like, I guess you could say semi-retired now because I, I still work on the podcast and, and the conference. Um, so we could have another one, but but why? We don't yeah. need another car. It's a huge expense. And like I said, $15,000 for a car, for and this is a van, like a family van. Um, when I went to, I, I saw like at the, you know, dealership, you could get that same van, brand new, new, you know, all kitted out or whatever for, I think it was like $30,000, $40,000, right? So, I mean, it's such a giant range, right? So I would say we never went through any like massive sacrifices because our thing, our mindset was never, oh, we need that gigantic house that my parents have, which they had to work all their lives to get. You know what I mean? Like we're just starting off. So don't expect to have the house your parents have right yeah. away because realize they've been working to get that for decades, right? Uh, and same with the car thing, right? It, it's not going to make you happier by having a $40,000 car, you know, from a dealership. Just go get a used one. And and I mean, don't you and take that money you're saving and invest it, right? And it's going to make you well. It's going to be paying you dividends every three months, as opposed to it just being gone. A lot of that being gone the moment you drive off the lot. Um, yeah. So those are kind of so I would say like the material yeah. sacrifices, yeah. which really aren't I would say that big of a deal. No, I completely agree with that. Like uh, one of my mentors, like really suggested me, and I didn't know that time he suggested me like not to like spend that much money on my car. Mm-hmm. And so the first car I bought here was like 2008 model. And I bought it like cash on like about $3,500. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm still having that. I'm still having that. Yeah. So now I feel like, because when I start investing and I feel like I'm not paying any monthly installments, I know like my car value is not going down. So now yeah. I feel the value of the car. Oh yeah. So I completely agree with that. Yeah. Cars are really expensive. Even like the ongoing, like it's it's hard, it's easy to underestimate what it is. But I remember when we used to have two cars because we would both commute to work and now we, you know, we don't. So we downgrade just to one car and that's it. But I mean, things creep up, like everything from the old change to repairs, Mm -hmm. getting maybe, you know, it's sprayed for the winter so it doesn't start rusting or whatever, like all these insurance, right? It's actually quite a bit. It really, really, like in addition to the what the cost of buying it, the maintenance actually really adds up too. So if, I don't know, 
especially now with the COVID sort of era, right? If you're able to just work from home and, yeah. and go down to just one car per household, I mean, it will save you so much money, but also a lot of time because that's one less car you have to go take to the shop and, you know, clean and all this other kind of stuff too. So I think that's a really good sort of like hack, uh, especially now that we're living in this world where a lot of people can actually work from home. Definitely, definitely. And in the previous minutes, like you were talking about like how your wife like saved 15% of, of the household income. And there's like one movement going on in North America, like fire, uh, financial independence, retire early. And I, I don't know much about that, but the correct me again, like if I'm wrong, the I think in that moment, like you saved a lot of money and invest from your income, like kind of 30, 40%. Mm -hmm. And you think like this is a feasible for beginners or recent graduate? Like, can, can they like start doing that? Like saving and investing like 30% of their income, 40% or you think like it would be much better idea if they like get a uh, step into like their workplace, get stable jobs, stable income, and then they start like pushing more and more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, the earlier you get into fire, the better, right? If that's what you want to do, uh, just because the money is going to, if you invest it, it's going to start compounding, which is basically, yeah, no. you know, it grows, plus it gets dividends. And now if you're reinvesting those dividends, uh, right? Every, it, it's just, you're going to, you have a lot more of a time frame for that money to compound and grow. So definitely, I would say, yeah, the earlier you get, get to it, the better. Um, and, and yeah, I would just say, yeah, try to save as much as you can if that is your goal. And, it, and the goal doesn't, and the interesting thing too, is that the goal doesn't have to be to retire so early and never work again ever. Uh, and that's, a, I've kind of alluded that to already earlier mm -hmm. because I've, I've talked to quite a few early retirees. I follow them on the internet, you know, others as well. And what you'll notice is that for almost every single one, like I'm talking like 95 plus percent, of these early retirees, people that have actually pulled it off, they still do what some will consider work. But the work isn't like, it, it's like what I do, right? Where, okay, I get to talk to smart people on my podcast. That's my work. I mean, I will, I mean, sure, people can call that work, but to me, I'm like, well, I enjoy it. This is fun and I'm learning. And then I can take what they're telling me and use that to optimize my own investments, right? So a lot of people do that, right? Some wanted to be uh, like I had Bryson Christie on the show. They're also early retirees from Canada. You know, she always wanted to be an author, but authors, most authors don't get paid very much money, right? So, you know, they did the early retirement thing by being engineers. And then once they, um, once they, be, they retired, then now she can actually pursue her passion of being a writer. And that actually still makes her some money, not as much as an engineer, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's, you know, so, so kind of think, I would say, think of it that way, uh, where just assume that you're still going to make some money in retirement, uh, because chances are you're going to start picking, you're going to you have all this time, yeah. you're going to start doing different, you know, hobbies or things that you're passionate about. And then if you're truly passionate about it, chances are you're going to get pretty good at it because you actually love it <laughs> and you do it for fun. And then after that, it doesn't take that much work to monetize it at least a little bit. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I think with the fire movement, yeah, for sure. It's, it's good to have that option where 
you're not reliant on an employer. But I mean, ideally find a job that you actually love. <laughs> and then it's not like you have to be grinding it out, doing something you hate until you reach that fire number, right? Like mm-hmm. I for sure was grinding it out. I know Bryce and Christy were grinding it out as well uh, after, after interviewing them. A lot of them people were where it's like, I'm not that into my job, but it pays money. I just, I have the goal in mind, right? Uh, but I mean, ideally, if you can find something they actually enjoy doing, uh, then it makes that journey a lot more enjoyable, um, for sure. Cool, man. Like, really good, man. Really good. Uh, I, I just, like, now want to, like, really thank you for coming on the show. Like, I have just a last question here. Sure. This is, like, very kind of, like, personal and important to me. So I have a fan circle here and I'm also like one of them, like we are just beginner investments. And, and I know many of the viewers and listeners listening us on, on, on the podcast would also be like one of those, like we are just starting out one of like, I'm starting out in the ATM, other are starting out some like day trading and uh, some cryptocurrency, but we are starting out. What are the mistakes you see people making because you have talked with a lot of people you have experienced the journey what are some of the mistakes very common mistakes people are making in their early age like could you please share those kind of mistakes so we would know like these are some of things like we should be aware of mm-hmm. sure yeah uh, the video cut out a little bit there i think we're getting a bit of a connection issue but if i oh. heard you correctly it's basically top mistakes that uh, people are making, especially when they're just getting into investing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so there's a few. Um, the one I see, so obviously there's the big thing about people wanting to be active investors versus passive investors. Um, so, you know, beating the market as opposed to just being happy with receiving the, in, getting the index returns like what I do. So that, I see that uh, some people get really hung up on that where they're really trying to beat the market. And so they buy these courses, they subscribe to these like software that's mm-hmm. supposed to tell them when to buy and sell, things like that. Um, and so that's one trap that I see people falling into. Um, so like I said, I'm very much into the passive investing um, style. That's all that I do. Uh, but there's such a huge industry telling people that, oh, you can get rich, you just buy our software, it's going to tell you everything or buy our course, it's going to teach you everything. It's, it's not, it's not that easy. <laughs> um, and so, so just be really, really careful with that. And, and I mean, look, if you're the kind of person where you're like, this is your craft, like this is going to be your job, your career, you want to be an, you know, one of the, like, if your goal is, okay, 20 years from now, I want to be the best, you know, crypto mm-hmm. investing yeah expert in the in Canada or the world or whatever, right? Like if that's your goal that and, and your whole career is going to be like, you're going to be pushing towards that. Okay. You know, then like if that's, then maybe I would say then maybe, yeah, you have a shot because you're fully committed to that. Um, but if you're not that committed, uh, I don't know. I, I think just the passive investing route is just a better fit um, for most people. It's kind of like, look, you're either all in on this active investing thing or you're not. I don't know. I have trouble believing that people can just sort of you know, not, not go sort of yeah. half-assed a little bit. Right. And then, and then still do great. Cause there's just, there's just too many people that you're competing against that are doing this as a full-time job. They're mm-hmm. working for companies that have, you know, that, that are spending potentially millions of dollars yes. in, you know, different research and different software and, and, and statistical modeling and all these, you know, things, right. So you're competing against these really, really intelligent people with like PhDs in this stuff. And so if you're just like, ah, I'm going to spend like a couple hours a week on this. I mean, I like, 
you know, the odds are against you, my friend, is all I got, you know, uh, like I wish you the best, but it's going to be pretty tough because your competition is, is very, very uh, fierce. Um, so that's kind of uh, one mistake. And then I think the other one that I see, and I see, so eventually people kind of go over to the passive investing route. A lot of them do. Um, and the mistake I see almost often there is people trying to time the market where mm. they'll be like, oh, well, I think interest rates are going to go up. And so I'm going to do X or, oh, I think they're going to go down. So, oh, I think markets are going to go up. Oh, uh, like, I mean, with Corona now, right? Speculation galore, mm. right? Oh, I think the vaccine is going to do great and it's doing good. So I'm going to do this. Oh no, I think it's, we're still not out of the woods yet. I'm going to invest this way. It's like, so just all this speculation about, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to get out here because I know when things are going to happen. And the reality is you don't, you really don't. And, and the people on TV that tell you that they do, they also don't. Uh, and and it's, it's just, so I would say just stop trying to time things and stop having this confidence that you know exactly what's going to happen because because honestly you you don't um like there's people that do this for a living and even they cannot predict it with 100 percent accuracy right or even like 90 percent accuracy so um so what kind of chance do you have of being able to you know to do this right so for me it's just stop trying to time it stop trying to get all fancy just just invest now <laughs> because the market goes up roughly you know two-thirds of the time you're going to see it go up uh and like over you know over the long term right so yeah there's going to be dips there's going to be times when it goes down but if you know okay if i put my money here and i just do index investing and it's going to go up two-thirds of the time it's going to be up well wouldn't you want to get in as early as possible because yeah you're gonna have some dips but i mean yeah, it's yeah. going to be on an upward trajectory right which it has been um so why wouldn't you want to get in as early as possible when you know that it's going to be sloping upwards right uh, instead of like trying to time things and you're missing out on these gains. I mean, who could have predicted that the stock market was going to recover as quickly as it did yeah. after the yeah. major collapse in Corona, right? But my portfolio fell 30%, uh, you know, during that, during that time, right? And then, and then I'm like, how am I? And then it was up 10% at the, by the end of the year. I'm like, how? It, it's like, it, it's hard to wrap your head around. You're like, we had this crazy decline we had, you know, it's still not fixed, right? There's still Corona, still very much of an issue here. How are we, how could you, as an index investor, how could you be up 10%, right? Because, so it just goes to show, right? You, you can't predict these things. And so um, stop, tr basically stop trying to and just get in the market and just ride it up, right? Uh, as an index investor. Um, yeah, so I don't know, those would be my, my big things. And then watch out for crazy high fees, like with active management, mutual funds. That's been talked to, to death about on my show, but just, <laughs> we have some of the highest fees in Canada when it comes to act, you know mutual funds. And so just be crazy careful with that. Don't just go into some financial institution, tell them you want to invest because there's a very good chance they're going to try to put you in some high fee funds. So just learn about index investing. It's so easy to do yourself now with the tools we have. Um, yeah. I can go on for a long time, but that's, that's no, in a nutshell. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Like I couldn't agree more. Like sometimes like I, I see like in young generation, like with my friends or like even in young generation, when you see like so much high return, like in cryptocurrency, like you see like TikTok. So I made like 200%, 300%. Yeah. If they're making 200%, there is definitely someone who is losing 200% yeah. because money is not creating. Like they're just traveling from some one to two. Yeah. And I, I always say like to them, like, again, like I don't have that much experience, but if you're just getting into ATFs, 8%, 6, 7%, 8% in the longer is also like a big, big number. Like when you yeah. start getting compounds, so oh, that's really conservative way. So thank you so much. Like, and like, thank you so much. Really like appreciate it to coming on show. Like 
I didn't expect you like I I sent you the invitation. I was like listening to you like for over a year now, and now we are talking now. Like awesome. I'm so much grateful for that. No, thank you so much for coming on the show, Mary. No problem. I mean, I hope you found it helpful and and uh, to your audience as well. And uh, yeah, no, thanks so much for having me on. It's been it's been great. Um, yeah, if you want, I can send those links over in case you want to add them, like for the the different resources and such. Definitely. Um, yeah, because like, there's, there's be, some good content. Before we like end our conversation, like, what's the best way to find you on the internet, and what's the best way to find your resources where you like helping the community? Sure. Yeah. So I mean, the the best um, the the podcast it's buildwealthcanada.ca. So if you go there, you can check it out. Uh, you can send to the newsletter, and you get you know sort of the different guides as well. Uh, so definitely, that would say that's like another first place to go. Um, also, you can obviously find the podcast through whatever podcast player uh, you're using, whether it's you know Apple, Google, Spotify. Yeah. Just search. Excuse me. So just search Build Wealth Canada and, and it'll basically come up and you can subscribe there and listen to the episodes. Um, on my on Build Wealth Canada, like 95% of the things on there are free. So you'll you'll learn an absolute ton. Um, yeah, like I have an investing course, but that's pretty much it. And it's not even an, like it's not even an expensive one. So uh, but like yeah, because 95% of the stuff on the course is on the site is free. So you, you'll learn an absolute ton. Um, and then yeah, the Canadian Financial Summit. If you go to CanadianFinancialSummit.com, that's the annual conference that I run. Uh, so you can go there even now. You can sign up. And then when I release the free tickets to attend, uh, you'll get an email with those. Uh, so just stay tuned for that. And I mean, yeah, like last year we had was it like 30, 30 talks. Um, presentations from different experts in different fields in personal finance in Canada. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's a it's it's almost like the the podcast, but there's video because it's not just a podcast; it's actual videos. Some of the guests have presentations that they show, and, and like it's really really good. Uh, they offer like different like they, they might have give you like discounts as well if if you you know if if you're into that. But I mean, yeah, like you you'll learn an absolute ton, um, and it's great because I mean, no matter where you are, sort of on your wealth journey you know it's it's free for anybody to attend so it's not like we're you know holding things back because you know you're not some like you know crazy rich investor right like everybody has access to it everybody can join it and and yeah it's like the podcast but condensed because it's going to be it's over four days and you just you see you can see all the videos there from all the different experts uh it's it's great i'm really excited about it i I ran it last year i took it over um and then um myself and the other owners are going to be doing it again this year uh it's going to be like end of september october um so yeah but you can go to that site at any time sign up and i'll send you an email when the tickets are available Awesome, brother. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will definitely share all the links in the description box. So please check those all the links. And look, thank you so much, Cornell, again, like for coming on the show, brother. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to, to meet you in person. Or I guess virtually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Take care. See you.